Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. It is a real role reversal for us this morning. It's normally me doing, not every week, but the leading. I do that more comfortably and Christian does the speaking more comfortably. And it's been more than a year since I've actually had this honor of being on the stage to to bring a, a message. So bear with me as I shake off the dust with you guys today. And we're, we're looking today at, at the, pre, the word presence. We've been going through a series recently, and I was supposed to be bringing a message a few weeks ago before the whole of Ilkeston Town got shut down from isolation and church was canceled. So this message is from that week, and I'm bringing it to you this week. So we're kind of stepping back into the series of presence and looking at it a little bit further. Just as a bit of a, by means of a, a recap, um, our root Bible passage for it was Exodus 33. You probably remember that, verses 12 to 16. And in there, Moses is having a conversation with God about leading his people, perhaps freaking out a little bit, you know, or taking on this responsibility. And it says, it says, um, it says there in verse 14, it says, my presence, Moses, sorry, God says to Moses, my presence will go with you. He's wondering what's going to happen here. I've got the credentials. I know how to lead. I can make big decisions. If you know the story of Moses, you'll know that the previous chapter, he made a decision to have 3,000 people killed, not, within, not outside his camp, but within his camp. He's not afraid of making these big decisions. He just wants to know who has got my back. Who's got my back? And God says to him, my presence will go with you. And as the conversation rolls on a little further into verse 16, it says this, it says, or Moses says this, he says, what else will distinguish me from your people, uh, what will distinguish me and your people from everyone else? And it's that word distinguish that is important here. What is it that will make us stand out, stand out from the crowd? There's something different. You know when there's something different about somebody? Maybe you've been around something and they've, or somebody and they've changed in some way. And there's something different about them. It's like when you come home from work one evening and you walk into the living room. And there's something different about this room. This, I can't quite get, it's, yeah, it's Helen's changed the furniture around again. I have to work out where I'm going to be sitting tonight uh, in, the, in the living room. She's got the spirit of my dad. He was exactly the same. We, when we go home and that happens, dad's back. You know, dad's back. He's not back, but dad is back. The furniture has changed around again. It's just something different. We've learned in this series that we're presence carriers. We carry the presence of God. But what is it that distinguishes us from everyone else? If God is present, present tense, if God is present in our lives, there has to be fruit that comes from it. There has to be something that is on display. It's not hidden. It's like if you look at, I don't know, an orange tree, for example, the green plumage, if you like, on that tree. The oranges stand out on it, don't you? You can see there's a fruit on that tree. So there's something that isn't hidden within us. It's actually on display. And that's what we're looking at today, the fruit of his presence within. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 16 to to 20, and if you've got your Bibles with you, turn to them. If not, it'll be on the screen. And the context of this passage is, is that Jesus is teaching about true and false prophets, 
true and false prophets. But this passage we can take, uh, we can take to us in our everyday lives because the, the Bible, everything in it is, is suitable for teaching and learning from. And this passage says this, it says, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from the thorn bushes or from figs uh, or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does bear good fruit is cut down and, wow, thrown into the fire. And here we are in verse 20, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. There's something recognizable about the fruit within us. Who knows about influence and people, how, how people can have influence on your life? Maybe you know somebody within your life that has, has influenced you in a good way. You've got friends around you that have impacted you and it's helped you on your journey, whatever it is you've faced, but they've given a good influence, they've had a good influence of, in your life. I can think of countless times when I was younger, um, different people growing up that have, that have impacted me in some way, you know, whether that's from a sports side of things or, or whether that's from some other walk of life, it's just been impacting and before I get into an influence in my life that I want to just look at quickly, I just want to give you a little bit of a background, if, if that's okay. When I was growing up, my brother and I, we used to love dressing up as soldiers. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else, Julie, did you do that? I don't know if anybody else did that here, but we used to love dressing up as soldiers. We thought we were a real crack commando unit when we were kids. We'd have all the regalia, the, the camouflage, the, the, uh, the, the, the rolly hats that roll down into baraclavas. You need a baraclava if you're going to be a, a commando. We had face paints. We had, I, had a, a, I think I had a, a 9 millimeter toy Beretta gun that stuck in my side, a newsy submachine gun on my back. We were the real deal. We, were, we, were, we knew how to conduct missions. We'd set ourselves missions that would, would go through people's back gardens. You, know? you had to sneak through people's gardens without being detected. Because if you're detected, you failed the mission. You see, that's part of it. We used to love this sneaking about. We'd contact, uh, we'd kidnap my brother sometimes, the youngest brother, bundle him into, um, into a bag. We'd, we'd lock him in the shed and you have to pay for release by means of sweets or a 10p mix or something. It's just what we did. It was all part of the fun of growing up or unless the fun police turned up by the means of mom and dad and they caught us and the game was over and he was released freely. So you can understand there was a little bit of interest there into to what we did. It could have been, you know, where we, we grew up in, in life. But but if you don't know, and, and Christian just uh, alluded to it there, uh, that we moved around a little bit as, as kids, you know, as a young age, we, we sort of hopped around between the UK, the States, and Canada, and, and, and different places within those different countries too, so there was a lot of moving around, we met a lot of people. But when we landed in the States, mom and dad became good friends with a, with a couple, and still to this day, we're good friends with them. So you can imagine my brother and I's joy to find out that the guy whose name was Guy was an actual Green Beret soldier, an ex-Green Beret soldier, one of the elite soldiers, if you like, from the, the States side of things. He was the real deal. He'd lived the, live, the life of it. He'd, he'd snuck around for real, worried about getting shot. He'd done all this stuff that we were pretending to be in over back here, but he was the real deal. And he would take us camping, military style. 
We sleep out in, in, in what do you call them, uh, hammocks and, and build fires from nothing and, and, and cook stuff on them. Do all that sort of stuff. He showed us how to catch poisonous snakes and what to do with them, how to kill them. All this sort of thing that we would never have done over here. And this was exciting to us. You could understand that this was a real buzz. And he introduced us to different things. Um, even Chuck Norris. I don't know if you know who Chuck Norris is. But he's one of the big, the big guys. He's the toughest guy. There isn't a tougher guy than Chuck Norris. Mom and dad would say, is this suitable for the kids to watch? Guys like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. They love this. They love this. And it's just shooting you know, blood and stuff. And we were like, yeah, this is great. Chuck Norris. Guy even re removed a tick from my armpit. Now, that's a real soldier there, isn't it? The thing was sucking the life out of me. There was blood everywhere. He had to take it out of particular. I'm exaggerating. But, but he had to twist it as he, as he turned it out. And if it had been mum taking it out, it would be like, ah, get off me. Go. Guy was doing it. Yeah, take that sucker out. Pull that thing out. Bob. So he had influence on our lives. You can see where I'm going with this. And what we would do is we would take this and we would go with our friends into the woods and, and live out the same things that we were being taught. I'm, I'm sure there's things in your life that you can identify that maybe people have had that influence that you've wanted to mimic them. You can see what I'm saying, right? He influenced us. We didn't become him, but something of him rubbed off on us when we were in his presence. You can probably relate to that. Maybe not in this, this form, but you can realize that Somebody in your life has had good influence on us. You know, before we became a Christian, if you're a Christian here this morning, something of God's Spirit has already been working on your life before you've come into that walk with Him. He's been turning some stuff over in your life. You may not have even realized at the time, but He's been using people in and around you to, to speak into, to, 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 to minister to. Maybe it's been Auntie Margaret, who's not even your real auntie uh, by birth, that has been praying, is committed to praying over you for years, and, and the whole by his spirit has been, has been shaking some stuff up in your life, turning some stuff over. And we come to this realization that, that we're sinners, that we've all fallen short. The Bible teaches us that. Not one of us is good enough. We have all fallen short. And that sin has caused a division between us and God. We don't like to hear that we aren't good enough, do we? We like to be in control. Oh, I am good enough. No, we aren't good enough. Only He is good enough. And then comes this revelation that only Christ and through Christ alone can we have any chance of forgiveness, any chance of a hope through His death and His resurrection. We've just celebrated Easter, haven't we? Through His death and resurrection. The resurrection is key because victory was his, as victory can be ours. What can wash away our sin? We sing it. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then we come to this point where we, we ask for forgiveness. We invite Jesus in to our lives. And in that moment, in that moment, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of here. He comes to dwell inside of us. God says in Ezekiel 37 and verse 14, he says this. He says, I will put my spirit in you. I will put my spirit in you. He's telling us he will put his spirit in us, right into our hearts. 
not talking about the physical muscle, but the heart of what makes us us. He comes to dwell inside, and he backs that up in 1 Corinthians and uh, chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? God's spirit, he has given us his spirit to dwell inside of us. It sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? That his presence comes to dwell inside. It's not, if you're, if you're wondering what that means this morning, it's not talking about possession. It's not talking about his coming over to take over, but more that he's coming to help you with a makeover. Do you hear him saying, it's not a takeover. He's not taking over you, but he's helping you with a makeover in your life. In other words, God has given us this free will. By birth, we have freedom. It's a gift he has given to us. And it is something that isn't taken away once we step into a life of Jesus. He doesn't sit up there with some sort of holy joystick or game pad with a headset on, ready to go. As soon as he's got you, right, that's it. And you're shouting down the speakers like Ben does with PlayStation. You've never played football in your life. He's shouting down his friends. You can hear him up the street. It's just embarrassing. But he does that. But God isn't there thinking, I've got this joystick. I'm about to take over control. He isn't. He's given you freedom. We've just sang it this morning, haven't we? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. So there's influence. God's influence in our life is important. But in knowing that, we've got to look at the issue of flesh. And if you were on the Bible study a few weeks ago, Christian just shared this morning about the upcoming Bible study. Get on it, definitely. But a few weeks back, maybe in a month or so ago, Phil, our teaching pastor, was sharing with us about the issue of sin. And the issue of sin, and within that, um, within that session, we looked at the flesh. And the flesh is not our biological makeup, it's more our sinful nature. What does the Bible say about our sinful nature? Well, in Galatians 5, uh, chapter 5, and verses 19 to 21, it says this. It says, the acts, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Now I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The bad news is, is that when we become Christians, this flesh doesn't go away. The flesh doesn't disappear. It's always trying to butt up against, always trying to rub up against everything that God is wanting us to be like. Always button up. You wonder why I brought the chair there, didn't you? What's he doing? Well, the, the flesh is always on the front row of your life. You can't help it. We're born by it. It's our sinful nature. So it's always sitting there with it ready to go, okay? It's ready to go. As soon as any temptation, anything that comes into your life, whether it's an act of unfaithfulness, the flesh is ready. It's up. It's up and going. You may not even realize it's there, but the flesh is always, always ready to get going. And what do we need to do? 
Well, we need to be ready for it. You know, if, if, you've, if you've had a text one day and you've read it in the tone that you've, you've read it in, not the tone it was sent, you're automatically on the angry fingers. I'm typing away like this. I'm giving it some, oh, you're, you're going to get it. I'll tell you what it is. There's a rage there. that The flesh has allowed that rage to come out. And before you know it, you've upset this person back, upset people connected to it. Before you know it, a whole storm has broken loose only because you've taken something the wrong way. What about the prospect of promotion at work? The boss has come out maybe one day and said, listen, guys, there's a place up for grabs here. It's quite a high level. Four or five of you guys could probably make it. Let's see what happens there when you think, all right, I'm going to make it to the top. Before you know it, you're stepping over people. You're hurting people's feelings. You're, you're telling the boss how bad they are and how good you are. Your selfish ambition is starting to come out. The flesh is starting to, you've let it loose. You've let the flesh loose, and he's, he's, he's having a good time. It's just taking that and making it into something that God does not want you to be. And the flesh can affect us all. This flesh can affect all. All of us, none of us are immune. No matter how long you've been uh, walking as a believer, you may be here as a Christian, you've done years, you're still susceptible to that. You might be a senior leader here today on the front row, still susceptible to it. Doesn't matter how many miles you've got on the clock, there is always going to be a moment in life where the flesh will be looking to get in there and make a bad impact. How do we counteract this? How do we get this? To work. Well, Paul teaches us in Galatians 5 and verse 16. He says this. He says, walk by the Spirit so as not to gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. And by their fruit, as we read earlier, you will recognize them. What fruit, though? What is this fruit? Well, before we get to the fruit we need to look at the root. I'm not a horticulturist. I don't know much about plants and all that sort of thing. But one thing I do know is that if you're planting something, you need to plant it into good soil. Because if you plant it into good soil, what happens is that the, the roots grow down and they grow strong. And that's like us as Christians. We need to be developing our relationship with God. It's crucial. You know, if you've done a growth track here, um, our very first session is about knowing God. That's how important we think it is, is that you know God more. You get in to his character. You understand how he thinks, and that's what helps us to grow our roots down. We think it is so important for you to walk a walk that is with him and that you are knowing him and learning his character. It's like any relationship that you get involved with, whether that's romantic or just friend or, or whatever. There's always a moment where you're getting to know that person. What makes them tick, their dreams, their aspirations, where they want to go in life, how they want to live, even the things that you're not even interested in. You find yourself involved in it somehow. When me and Helen were going, at, at, as you say in Ilkeston, don't you? You miss half the letters out around Ilkeston, so you have to speak. I think it's Ilson. So when you're from Ilson, you're going, at. That's courting. That's courting, Julie. Courting. But we were going out, Helen would find, oh, I'd find Helen coming to watch me play football. 
not even interested in football, standing on the sidelines, whether it's cold and drizzly, umbrella up, freezing to death, somehow watching this wee fella run around the pitch after a bag of wind. No interest in it, but she's wanting to get to know more, wanting to be involved in my life because we're starting to set some roots down. Of course, that grows as the more time goes on. It doesn't happen over a day or a week. It's a time thing. Lay down roots. Colossians 2 and verses 6 to 7 says this. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. And it says this in verse 7, Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Why do we need these roots? Because when the storms of life come, and they will come, they will come, When the storms of life come, you will stand firm in your faith. When that miracle you've been praying for doesn't happen. When the financial situation not only doesn't get better, it gets worse. When the job situation isn't working out, your roots are firm, your faith is strong because you know that he is in control and that he's got you and that he is with you. And this is what God wants from us, that we would get to know him, not just on a surface level, but on a deeper level, an intimate level. And how do we do that? What is the best way of getting to know God and his character? It's through this soil here, this soil here, the word of God. The word of God is the best way to lay your roots down in him. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, says the word of God is alive and active. If it's alive, I'm pretty sure it's not dead. The amount of times I've heard people say that the Bible is irrelevant for today's day and age. I don't know whether you know that or heard that somebody say, that was for back in the day, man. It's not even for now. It's so out of date. It's so just, just not even relevant to today's day and age. Look at how much change there is now than what there was then. So I'm saying to you, if they're saying that, are they saying then that the God who spoke the universe into existence, every aspect of creation, right down to the finite detail, the God who breathed breath into lungs of man and of woman and created them in a certain way that they could create the miracle of life between them, the God who already knew that we would fail, that he had already drawn up plans for a rescue mission, the same God who sent his son to die on a cross for you, for me, as for them back then, as for us today and for those to come. Are you saying that this God wouldn't inspire a Bible that was for back then as it would be for today. That God doesn't work for me. That God has got a Bible that is relevant. It is today as it was back then. Know God. Hear his voice through his word. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the God of understanding and he knows all things. We've used Psalm 139 in this series. I'm sure you can probably all remember it. Describing God's presence. We've been singing that great song this morning about being in his presence. There's nowhere where we can go that we can't be in his presence. Uh, Helen led us a few weeks back and, and, and helped us understand that, that God isn't a, a hide-and-seek God, but is a seek-and-find God. He's there all the time always available. 
But at the first, four, the first four verses of Psalm 139, it says this. It says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, whoa, Lord, you know it completely. Someone's thinking, really? Did he hear me say that? Yeah, he knew it was coming before you knew it was coming. You just allowed yourself to say it. You made the choice for him to say it rather than allowing him to tame your tongue. See, God already has a good handle on you. He already knows your strengths and your weaknesses. He knows what you've, what you've said. He knows what you're going to say. But he also knows more that if you allow him to influence your life, as we did with Guy, I know it's a tedious link to it, but as we did with Guy, if you allow him to dominate your thoughts, the more you will display God's character in the fruit of his presence. But what fruit? Well, Galatians 5, 23 says this, a very familiar passage, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. You might say to me, Tim, I'm down with it. I've got love. I've got peace. I've got joy. I'm, I'm gentle with people. Where self-control comes, that's where I always slip up. I'll go out with a drink with people from friends, and before I know it, it's the next morning. I have no idea what I drank that night. I have no idea how I got home because my self-control is out the door. It always gets me. It always gets me. And I want to draw you to the first line of verse 22 there where it says, the fruit of the Spirit the fruit of the Spirit is, it's singular. It's a one-package thing. It's not a pick and mix. You don't pick the joy and the, the love and the, the peace, and, but the rest of it's okay because I got 60% of it. The fruit of the Spirit is, not the fruits are. The fruit is. It may not come in an instant when you become a Christian. It may not come. You may have to deal with some stuff. There is intentionality there. There is a choice that you're allowing God to work in your life. Because we're all weak at some things. We all are. None of us are perfect in here. We've just seen that we're all fallen short by sin. But we need to allow the Lord to work in our lives. We need to make the choice to give him the power. You know, the Bible tells us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead resides within. <laughs> the same power that raised a dead man to life resides within, dwells within. Are you telling me that the same power that dwells within can't help deal with a few character flaws in your life? No. We need to make that choice for God to work within us. That he would help us in areas of weakness. But trust me, a day will come when somebody cuts you up on the, the, what do you call it, the bypass up here. And the first thought, maybe I'm going to have him, but you just let it go. You just let it go. Hey, God bless you on this day. There may have been a day when the spittle and everything was coming out and you were out the door up against that window and you were rattling on it. What do you think you're doing, mate? That's Helen. She's still working on these issues. See, she may look perfect. But remember, that flesh that we've all got doesn't go away. 
it's always there, ready to step in. The difference is, if you're allowing God to dominate your life by his spirit, the difference is, is that you'll find that the flesh starts to just take a little bit of a, a more of a relaxed approach in your life. It, it's, it's, out of, it's out of work, basically. You're allowing God to work in your life, and he's, allowing, he's dominating in these thoughts of the flesh. But it's still there. It's like a footballer. Somebody told me once, when you play football and you stop for a couple of years and try and come back, it's all gone. You haven't still got the same, the same, uh, the same agility, the same uh, touch and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, get out of me. You haven't seen me play. That's not true. But the tr- it was true. I stopped for a few years and came back. My head's there, but my legs are gone. But the same with the flesh. The head's there still in the flesh, but its legs are gone now that you're allowing the spirit to dominate. But if you choose to make those decisions, if you choose to go out and to put yourself into positions where you know you shouldn't be, where you know you have the weakness, it will recharge and be ready to go again. That's why we need to constantly, constantly allowing God to dominate our lives. So finally, I want to say to you this morning, choose to walk in the spirit. Allow the presence of God influence your life. And if you do that, if you do that, the fruit of his presence will be on display for people to see. What will distinguish us? Well, God will distinguish us from everyone else by bearing this fruit within us. I want to give an opportunity this morning to respond to God. I don't know where you are in life. I'm not sure if, uh, where you are in, a, in the journey with Jesus. But I want to give an opportunity, as we always do. We believe here and now is the, the right time. There's no time like now in order to step into this life with, with Christ. You may be struggling with some stuff, and that's fine. There may, be, there may be things in your life that you think you need to get sorted out and get all your ducks in a row, but, but God doesn't work that way. He wants you to come to him in faith and allowing him to work those things through with you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, in a moment of privacy, I'm going to ask just for a, just a, a simple raising of a hand in a moment. You might be thinking that that uh, now is I don't know if I'm ready. Well, God might just be saying to you right now, "This is the moment for you. This is the time for you to step in to a walk with me. See what I can do with your life. I've created you on purpose for a purpose." You might be saying in your heart, "I've been through some stuff. I'm still dealing. I'm I'm." I'm really struggling. I've, you don't even know what I've done. Well, God knows what you've done. And he still has his arms open to you this morning. Come into his presence. And if that's you this morning, I just want to invite you to, to raise your hand. Just lifting it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, great. And I want to pray for you. Yeah, thank you. I want to pray for you this morning. That you would pray this prayer in your heart. You can repeat it out loud or you can just pray within And just say, just quietly in your heart, thank you, Jesus, that you see past my sin, that you love me too much to leave me in my sin. 
Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. I ask for your forgiveness for my sins. I invite you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I choose today.